because, because I'm a hot I'm girl. A hot, I'm girl. A I do hot shit. Because I'm a hot Hey everyone, uh, welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast on the left, Hot Girl Agenda. Um, this is Yessi, and I'm here with our uh, lovely and effervescent uh, co-host, Rara. Rara, what's up? Hey, what's up? I am so freaking stoked for this episode. This is a premium episode. You're listening you, you. to a pa pa premium episode <laughs> today. <laughs> I'll add the hip hop air horn in there. I'll do it. I always say that to myself. I'm always like, hey, can you add that sound effect? I never do it. But you know what? Today I might. <laughs> it's so good. This episode's, um, I think it was a long time coming because uh, one of the running themes that we have is mm-hmm. talking about Star Trek, specifically right. DS9. Um, yes, and DS9, yeah, I'm, I'm still watching DS9 very slowly, rewatching it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also, I also just finished watching Picard, which was mm. phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Oh, so mm-hmm. good. It was great. I cried like a baby at the end of season one of Picard. Um, but DS9 is like, has a special place in my heart for just how real they get with shit. Like, they really go for the jugular on a lot of social issues in the show. And actually, this one we're about to talk about, uh, Past Tense, which, which is a two-part story arc in uh, DS9, has been called the most political episode of that series. So this is something that's been written about a lot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was also, it was made in 1995. And you'll see why it's kind of now prescient and why it's really important to re-examine this kind of media. So this is kind of like following our theme of talking about dystopian uh, sci-fi and dystopian fantasy that kind of uh, fits into an anti-capitalist lens. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So yay. Yeah. Everyone that wanted us to talk more about Star Trek, here we are. Congratulations. <laughs> Which is everyone. You all love Which it. Which is everyone. Yeah, you all love it. You eat, eat your that Star Trek. <laughs> Damn. Eat your analysis. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, let, so I'm going to go through the premise of this and then we can get into like the nitty gritty. So if you haven't watched the episode, um, it would be, or if you don't even know like anything about Star Trek, this might be a hard episode to follow, but we're going to kind of make it, like try to make it a little bit universal. But if you're not, if you haven't seen this episode, I suggest even just going back and watching watching these two episodes because you don't really need to watch the rest of Star Trek to understand right. anything that's going on. You'll, you'll pick it up just fine. It's actually really great and I think more people should should watch episodes that way mm-hmm. in kind of like an isolated setting. So the premise of this episode, which is a two-parter, and on this episode, we'll be just talking about the first episode. Um, so the premise is a transporter accident sends Commander Sisko, Dax, and Julian back in time to San Francisco 2024. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, and they are stranded in what is called a sanctuary district, which is a designated part of the city where the government forces unemployed people, most of whom are mentally ill, disabled, mm-hmm. or sick, to live out of sight of the rest of polite, productive society. Mm. So during this transporter malfunction, Dax gets separated from Cisco and Julian and ends up outside the sanctuary where she's rescued by this seemingly benevolent businessman. And he's like kind of progressive. He's like... Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And we find out later who he actually is. Mm. Um, spoiler alert, not good. <laughs> not a great dude. Um, uh, so she's rescued by this businessman. Cisco realizes that they have landed weeks before a deadly riot, which lays bare the cruelty of the sanctuary districts. Mm-hmm. And it begins this kind of domino effect that leads to a paradigm shift um, for all of humanity to like basically tr- not treat people like shit. Right, right. <laughs> so this, so the stranded crew have to figure out how to get back to their time mm-hmm. without changing anything, all while living under this oppressive, you know, in this oppressive district where you know the only thing guaranteed is is your rations, and you know it's not even guaranteed that you'd have a place to live. So there are a lot of really cool themes yeah. on this episode, but I wanted, to, Jesse, I wanted to get like your impressions on the rewatch because um, totally. I'm not sure when I'm not sure when you last watched this, but I ha- I've watched this for the first time since probably the early 2000s. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, so the first time I watched it um, was last year actually um, is when I watched DS9, and then I watched it again this week. One of the things that I think really so so. Let me backtrack a little bit. DS9 as a whole is an extremely politicized Star Trek, which kind of takes a departure from some of the like previous um, Star Trek shows and and also the the later Star Trek shows. So like, whereas you know the Next Generation and and even Voyager will tackle like ethical or like philosophical themes, DS9, Deep Space Nine was the first kind of tactile understand or allegory on Mm -hmm. on like political issues of the day so specifically the um israeli palestinian conflict or genocide yes but the palestinian genocide by the state of israel uh you know that that the battle between the bajorans and the cardassians is is deeply reflected in that and then you know the federation kind of represents uh u.s interests right Mm -hmm. um but this particular episode of uh ds9 goes even further because the sanctuary cities are modeled after LA, the LA municipal government's Skid Row. So in the 80s, I believe it was the 80s, you know, there was a, a unhoused uh, population issue in um, in Los Angeles due to rising rents, due to um, economic stratifi- and racial stratification, um, mm-hmm. all of these different issues. And what the city decided to do instead of... Uh, funding money or funneling money into like safety net services they were like okay let's just push all of the um unhoused people or people who are under like duress and precarity let's just push them into one area near downtown and then kind of de facto wall them off by using police force to keep them in the space so that's what skid row became and that became a model for other cities like let's just push you know, like our quote unquote undesirables into one area and then just like forget about it, right? Right, um, yes. So the sanctuary city in this episode is like very modeled after that, which which mm-hmm. like struck me. Like that was like the first thing that struck me. You know, as a Californian, I was just like, fuck, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was like really great and on the money of how they did this in San Francisco, like in the Bay Area, because, you know, when I think of homelessness in America, I like the, the most drastic example would be, would be in like, Los Angeles and San Francisco. For sure. So I thought that was very um, astute of them to to keep it within America. You know, it also is very interesting that they 
are were so critical of American mm. uh, homeless issues because it's rarely ever that on the nose with Star Trek where it's directly calling out any particular country. Yeah. Um, and and this was just kind of like, what, no, we're getting right to the point. Like this mm-hmm. is happening in America. Mm-hmm. And so a little bit more about these sanctuary uh, districts. So through through following Cisco and Julian through the uh, sanctuary district, we learn um, first they go to like what is like a whale, welfare office apparently, which is the government building where people go to get their ration cards and um, basically get acclimated to the city or to go and check on job listings so that they can get job placement and get out of the the district. Right. But as we learn through someone in the welfare office, there's three types of archetypes of citizen in the district, the dims, the gimmies, and the ghosts. And this is about to get wildly ableist so this is like a very triggering thing for you i mean i know we included it in the um description but we just want to say like you know this is this can be potentially triggering so the dims are usually the mentally ill or impaired and sick who should be like in hospitals but Mm -hmm. but just get shoved into this district the gimmies are basically i i guess would be like the equivalent almost of bootlicking like kind of mentality where they they're not quite resigned to living in the district they still mm-hmm. have not they've not acclimated and they're still looking for jobs and and places to live and uh they're actively looking for a way out basically right. um and then the ghosts, which represent the criminal element, um, which are basically just, you know, hopelessly violent and um, are, are basically just, well, we're here in this shithole and we're going to make it our shithole through mm-hmm. violence, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously a lot of comparisons to present day conditions in the U.S., um, what were some of that struck you, Yessi, of, well, of the present day? Yeah, I mean, like, so obviously the framing and, 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 and so like Gene Roddenberry is like a social or he was a socialist, right? Hey, hotties, it's Rara. If you're enjoying this free preview of our exclusive Patreon bonus episode, well, why not listen to the whole thing? Head over to patreon.com slash hotgirlagenda to listen to the full episode, as well as get access to all of our previous bonus episodes and bonus content. Subscribe at the 3 or $5 level and get a free sticker in the mail. See you next week.